your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand off to Minner, hit the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. That's it, got it! Underdog, and then one! Exclamation point! Now, your hosts, KLIN contributor, Cole Stukenholtz, and sports director, Caleb Henry. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. We are just 28 days away from kicking off the 2021 season, the 2022 season. And fall camp's underway. We made it. It's real football. We are so close to the Ireland kickoff. Nebraska going to be out in Dublin taking on Northwestern for the opener. And we've got quite a show. Uh, Caleb's off. He uh, he got married this week. Congrats to Caleb. Uh, it is uh, Caleb's month. Caleb's world. We're just living in it. He's got started the new podcast. Got married. Uh, got some time off from this show, so good for him. And uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get the team back together next week. Uh, we, we've got some watch list season stuff to get to Nebraska players popping up on some watch lists for postseason awards. Uh, we will go, uh, uh, we'll, we'll go through what's, what's been heard so far from the first three practices, not a whole lot, just media availability yesterday so far, uh, for Nebraska, they've got today off and then they'll be back at it tomorrow morning. And, uh, also potentially an update on the big old, media deal for the Big Ten um, that could be coming sooner rather than later uh, and offensive line position preview it's the last one of this summer offensive line we saved the the lines for last did D line last week and uh, offensive line this week the rest is going to need to be better there no question about that so we'll run down what the situation is on the offensive line as we go forward here this morning. And Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald will be along to join us as well. Um, and Big Ten Media Days were this week. Do you remember that? If it, 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 I mean, the way the offseason's gone, it's gone fast, so you kind of forget when stuff happens. And Big Ten Media Days was just earlier this week. And Scott Frost, who kind of stayed out of the spotlight ever since the end of spring practice you can kind of see why now um (laughs) it was it was a a great strategy whether it was super intentional or not to keep frost out of uh out from behind out from in front of a camera the way that the first four years went obviously not great 15 and 29 and and Trev extending it, you know, giving him giving him a chance to to keep into this fifth season, but restructuring the deal. There's not anything that Scott Frost can say at this point that's going to satisfy everyone. Heck, sometimes he's going to say stuff that's not going to satisfy anyone. And so it never made sense for him to talk during the off season unless he had to, and he didn't really have to until Big Ten Media Days. And then, lo and behold, the guy that never talks uh, to give an, he never gives an opening statement before talking to the media for the regular Tuesday press availability uh, or Monday press availability. Uh, he never gives an opening statement uh, after games. Very rarely, maybe he has. 
Uh, but no, he just usually gets up there. He's behind the mic, and he's ready for questions. He used to just start asking him questions. And the way Big Ten Media Days was structured was uh, apparently for every coach to have you know have the time to make an opening statement, and most coaches do that, which is fine. Scott Frost isn't that guy. He's not an opening statement kind of guy, and he never has been. And so he gets behind the podium, and he's standing there, not for that long. It was a matter of, I don't know, five, seven seconds, something like that. And, and then the moderator uh, pops onto the microphone and says, oh, if we, we have to, uh, time if you want to make an opening statement. And Frost didn't. I, I remember what he said, but he said, no, I'm ready for questions. It's who he is. I, I don't expect anything different from him. Uh, and so, of course, the column of record, if you will, Tom Chattel from the Omaha World Herald, and, and I, I do want to uh, hit on this a little bit with Evan Bland, who's his colleague there in Omaha. Uh, he, he goes in on Frost, basically, for uh, having, having the start to his year being an awkward silence and that he's not prepared and he he's, doesn't look up for it, uh, looks disinterested. Uh, he wasn't the only guy with takes by any means, but it's as if nobody paid attention to who he was, and it's as if that matters at this moment in time for Scott Frost. I'm here to tell you it does not. It does not matter what Scott Frost says right now. It does not matter what Scott Frost uh, appears to be whether he appears to be uh, in a in a chipper mood or whether he appears to be optimistic or pessimistic. It does not matter right now. He was always going to be damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. No matter what he would say, the the awkward silence column and, and the ensuing discussion has confirmed that. If if you're skeptical then Scott Frost saying, oh, yeah, this is the best roster we've had in my... We've heard that stuff, right? We've all heard that. That's not going to make anybody feel differently. If he's too excited or optimistic, it's just going to anger fans who said that they've heard that before. And if he's not excited or optimistic, he's just, you know, hey, he's asked, what, what def- how do you define success in 2022? He had a one-word answer. Winning. Is that too terse? Is that not expansive enough? Personally, I don't care. And I don't think anybody else should either. Because it doesn't matter at this point. Scott Frost is who he is. As a, as a, as a spokesperson for the program. He is a no-nonsense, gives-you-a-quick-answer, moves-it-along kind of guy. And frankly, if, if some people want somebody different, they may get their wish anyway. If Trev Alberts wants somebody different, the results on the field are going to dictate that. The die is cast for another four weeks, right? We, we got four weeks till the opener. Whatever everyone thinks about Frost is going to be what they're going to think. And the only thing that's going to impact that at this point is whether Nebraska wins or loses. That's why it was such a good strategy to just... Stay away from the media until after spring practice. There was no need for this. There's no need for it now. And this is also why we really, really need live football. Like ASAP. Between 
the the NFL quarterback tiers from uh the that that article from the Athletic that that went in on uh some some of the really really good NFL quarterbacks and and just some just verifiably inaccurate takes the 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 Scott Frost stuff this week just struck me as very similar to that and like i said there there's not going to be any if talking to all of you out there who are who are hearing this in in live form now in podcast form on the on the Facebook live at KLI and Huskers whether you're listening on the on the AM stream uh or or over the air like what what do you think about Scott Frost just think get that thought in your head right now good bad you, you want him to stay you want him to go you think he's going to figure it out you don't think he's going to figure it out okay have that thought in your head is anything that he said earlier this week go back to before this this mid 10 media days week was there anything that he could have said that would have impacted your thought of Scott Frost? I'm pretty sure the answer to that, if you're being honest with yourself, is no. And that's the whole point. There's nothing that he could have said that was going to change any hearts or minds at this point. And honestly, if, if there was, why? Why would there be anything that anybody within this program can say to change anybody's perception of said program without actually seeing results on the field? All, all of the things that anybody could say, we've, we've pretty much heard it all before, except from stuff, some stuff that Garrett Nelson said about, you know, professors having trivia questions about how quickly Adrian Martinez could get cut from the team. Just a, just a real cool thing. To deal with if you're a if you're a Husker football player, um, <clears throat> but the way that other Big Ten coaches speak at Big Ten media days should not impact Nebraska football on the field. Like whether Scott Frost is still Nebraska football's head coach in 2023, I'm I'm here to tell you that what he said at 2022's Big Ten media days is not the determining factor. It's it's silly that this even has to be said, but with it out there like it has been, the way that I mean there's there's no real football, like I said we really need real football. The way that everybody is dissecting what he said is just there look, there there's not real football to talk about, so you're going to talk about whatever there is and at that point all there was was Scott Frost and a few players talking. And Obviously, we knew there were going to be takes, and, and boy, the takes were takes. It's just, it's just funny to me that if you thought that Trev Alberts was all of a sudden going to transform Scott Frost this offseason from who he's been for four years plus into, well, Trev Alberts, the way Trev speaks, very, very professionally, very polished, uh, very on-message, and very calculated as well. Not that Scott Frost isn't any of those things, but they just have a different personality. They're a different, they're a different role. Trev's job, to a certain extent, is to talk. Scott Frost can talk all he wants, but ultimately, he's the coach. The results are on the field. And the results are on the field for Trev to a certain extent as well. But 
multiply that by a thousand for a, the actual head coach. There's there's not anything that he could have said that would have, in my opinion, that will ultimately end up impacting Trev Albert's decision as to whether he stays or goes. So the whole conversation around, well, this is just this is just a bad look for Nebraska football, and boy, the head coach doesn't look like he wants to be. Well, he probably doesn't want to be there, and I don't blame the guy. He wants to get this thing going. He wants a chance to prove himself as a football coach again. And the only place to do that is on a field. And the first place is on a field in Ireland, as it, as it is, which I'm sure he's super excited about. And so the, the, the whole discussion around it is silly to me because of those reasons. He, he was damned if he does, damned if he doesn't, and sure enough, he's been damned. And for anybody who thought that it was going to make an impact is just being disingenuous. Yes, Big Ten media days are a, a necessary evil, I guess is a way to say it. Uh, you, you, have, you have them for a reason. Everybody gets together. Everybody's interested in these coaches, and they want to hear what they have to say. But it's not... We, we, th- this program right now is not in a place where that has any sort of tangible impact. All right, they've been doing great in recruiting. Hey, recruiting, you're selling your program. Um, this class has been put together pretty well. I think most most people who follow that type of stuff closely uh, would agree. And has a chance to get a lot better should they get Malachi Coleman, the number one prospect out of Nebraska. So in terms of, hey, you have to talk to sell your program. I think they're doing that okay. You don't have to do that out in the public eye. You don't have to do that in front of the media. The place that matters is whether you get the guys in the program that you want. And so far, they seem to have done a very good job of that. Is it too late? We'll see. It's possible that Scott Frost never gets a chance to coach the the incoming recruiting class. But again, that's not going to be determined because of what he said in Indianapolis. It's going to be determined by what happens on the field. So it, whether whether you thought that whether you thought that it was it was good what he said, bad what he said, if you're being honest with yourself, go back to that thought in your head about what you thought Scott Frost was going into Monday. I'm pretty sure the fact that he said words did not change that thought. It's just going to reinforce your existing thought of of him and and any any preconceived notions. That's that's all it did. It's not going to change anything yet, and it shouldn't have because this is a results-based business. And so far, Nebraska has not been getting it done, and it may be his last chance to do so. So it's all going to matter what happens on the field. That's it. So we're going to take a break. We've got Evan Bland coming up here from the Omaha World Herald. I do want to hit on this with him, and then we'll dig into the nitty gritty. We got fall camp. Uh, we'll touch on the offensive line with Evan as well. We've got that last summer position preview. We are into the countdown. 28 days away from kickoff. Uh, we'll also get to the rest of uh, the news from the week uh, as we move along here this Saturday morning. Caleb's out. I'm Cole flying solo this morning. Thanks for being with me here. More KLIN Husker Hour coming up right after this. Frontierhd.com.
giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling along here on your Saturday morning. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. Caleb Henry, newly married Caleb Henry, is uh, out this week and uh, will be back next week. And uh, uh, back this week with us, first time in a little bit, we've got Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald joining us here uh, to talk all things Husker football as we're four weeks away from the opener against Northwestern. Evan, good morning. How are you this morning? Good morning, doing well. And I didn't know that about Caleb. Congrats to him too. So it's a new season for everybody in all sorts of ways. It's this is Caleb's world and we're just living in it. He's got the new podcast. He's got the new wife. It's it's good stuff right now for him. So that's that's living. Yeah. Yeah. So uh we we've got some some actual fall camp to talk about. Uh, which is exciting. Uh, want to hit on offensive line with you as well because that's our last position preview of the summer. Uh, but I want to start with uh, uh, Big Ten Media Days uh, from earlier this week. Uh, I, j- I just had a little discussion with myself uh, about about how we really need football right now because all we have to talk about is people talking. And while that's our job, obviously, in the media, I just think it's funny to expect anything different out of Scott Frost than what we knew he was. In terms of, he doesn't make opening statements when he comes out to talk to the media. And no matter what he was going to say, whether he seemed really excited or really down, like he that's not going to change a lot of people's perceptions of Scott Frost. Um, mm-hmm. So I just, what was your thought when you you had you know Frost talk to the media? Um, obviously, your colleague Tom Chattel took some flack for uh, for a column earlier this week as well. Uh, what are your thoughts overall on the whole Big Ten Media Days, Scott Frost? Uh, situation from the week well first of all you're right like we do need football we do need uh, a little bit more to talk about I think people can kind of get antsy from a summer of realignment and NIL and and transfers and like you you just you almost kind of forget why why you're following the team in the first place which is the games which is the fun and so it's good to have that back it's also worth noting that no matter what happened in Indianapolis at Big Ten Media Days It'll have it'll have you know no effect on the team. Nebraska may well win seven, eight, nine games, and Scott Frost may not give opening statements. So that's you know you, you kind of lay that out there first of all. But I you know I, I think a couple of things. You know, one obviously it's all about context. So everybody knows this is a bottom line sort of season, and so I think there was just some curiosity about okay if, if there's a perceived hot seat going on here, and I think that's fair to say. What's what's the vibe? What's the attitude? And, you know, I think not a lot changed for Scott in that regard. He, like you said, he he went right to questions. He was short, direct to the point on a lot of things. You know, someone asked him what would make for a successful season. And I think a lot of coaches out there could sort of dive into that. Hey, we need to finish. We need to tighten up special teams or or whatever it might be. And And he says, you know, winning. And then, there's kind of a follow-up that's that some uh, I think it was a national reporter said 12 and 0, you know, which is maybe not the best response that you're looking for. And Scott kind of glared at him. And then, you know, it's just stuff like that. And so I, I think in the context of what this season is, uh, you know, people went with that a little bit. And I think the other thing too is when you're at these Big Ten media days, it's not just Scott Frost at a at a Monday presser in Memorial Stadium or a post game. This is sort of in the backdrop of all these other coaches. So Scott went first. Uh, this Tuesday in Indianapolis and then the other six coaches that day go and 
you know, I, I just think it's 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 a reminder that it can be helpful if you're a head coach to sort of put out your vision, to put out what you're looking at. You know, oftentimes the the coaches would use that time to maybe introduce to the national media and BTN uh, the three players that they brought or the fact that, you know, they were competitive last year and then they lost a handful of close games and, and like setting that tone for people that <clears throat> maybe don't follow the team as closely as as you or I do. And it just kind of felt in some ways like maybe that was an opportunity missed. But again, it may have no effect on the season coming up. I'm thankful that we have practices here now. It, it, it was just sort of a, a tone setter that maybe could have gone a little differently for Nebraska. Well, let's let's set the tone for for what we see uh, in fall camp so far. Because you mentioned the the Huskers are underway with underway with practices. Um, some some of the coaching staff was uh, available yesterday uh, to the media as well as some players. Uh, what did we hear from from the Huskers and and how they're doing in terms of getting ready for this season and and maybe if any of them had discussed you know what maybe has changed this off season as well. Well, you know, I, I think a few things, especially with these early fall availabilities. One, I think you pay attention to who, who they bring out, which players come out to talk, and then also which players are sort of mentioned that you didn't maybe have on your radar uh, a whole ton in the offseason. And I think to the latter point, you know, a guy like Colton Feast was mentioned on the defensive line as somebody who could be a factor. And he kind of was brought up unprompted by uh, Eric Shenander and a little bit by Mike Dawson, the, the position coach. So that I think that kind of you know perks your interest a little bit. You look out and you see uh, Nash Hetmacher was out there talking, and, and he's a guy who has been sort of a reserve um, and will probably step into a bigger role this year. I thought that was notable that he came out and spoke. Uh, Caleb Tanner, who's been in the program since 2018, has never spoken at a general media availability with reporters before. He comes out and, and he talks about – how, uh, you know, at some point in his career, a switch flipped and he, and, he, and he went from sort of focusing on himself to focusing on the team. And I thought just being out there and chatting with us, by the way, it was a great quote, uh, was a good sort of sign of that maturity that he's taken. So I think those were, you know, some some parts of it. Marquise Buford, uh, who's going to, I think, have a pretty heavy role in the secondary, especially at safety, came out and, and chatted. He's he's an impressive kid. He's a, he's a kind of guy I feel like could be, you know, captain material in a couple of years, just kind of with his physical, his physical and mental makeup. And, um, you know, so it, it, it was a group that I thought was excited to be there. It was a little bit of a different tone than what Indianapolis was. I felt like it was less hot seat talk. It was less big picture stuff. And it was more, uh, you know, excitement about being back into camp, about what this team can be players that have taken that next step seeing as the team team has evolved all these different things that maybe would give you a little bit more optimism that this team is in the right headspace, you know, with Ireland just a month away. Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Um, Evan, we've got our last position preview of the summer and its offensive line. And while there are guys that have starting experience across potentially every position, if you if you wanted to distribute them that way, I think everybody would agree that the offensive line was not as good as it needed to be last year. And then you go and lose your best offensive lineman to the NFL draft in the second round as well. Where do you see this offensive line positioned right now in terms of you know how how good they are to us and and how good they need to be and and their their importance to whether or not this offense clicks as well? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, Scott Frost mentioned it in Indianapolis too. I mean, they they will go as the offensive line goes, at least on offense and. 
And, you know, there's just, there's so many question marks. You start with the new assistant, Donovan Riola, some of the techniques that he's teaching that'll be different uh, that players have had to adjust to in the off season. You talk about the fact that even if they had a starting five, which I think they're still working through, they had injuries in the spring and, and those guys didn't have a chance to work together. You know, Turner Corcoran was out, Teddy Prohaska was out. And it looks like those, those two are both back and, and ready to roll here this month, but that position more than most, you just, you need that, that time together to sort of develop. And so they're a little bit behind in that regard. You add on a couple transfers like Hunter Anthony and Kevin Williams who can play all over the place. And it just, it feels like this next couple of weeks is going to be really important in terms of, of finding not just who the starting five are, but then where do they play along the line? Because we heard throughout the spring and even I think yesterday that Guys are kind of playing all over the place. Turner Corcoran could play at left guard. He could play at right guard. He could play at center. Um, you know, Bryce Benhart has been at right tackle. He'll probably stay there. The transfers have been all over the place, left and right side. So this is the time when you you really want to start locking in those roles a little bit as camp gets rolling and you're a month out from your season. But I think that's it's that's sort of the the thing to watch is, you know, who are the five? Where are they going to play? And And to me, it starts at center. Do you go with Trent Hickson, who's a former starter, former walk-on, uh, as that guy who replaces Cam Jurgens, And then you kind of expand it out from there. I mean, Scott Frost, we've gotten a few clues. Scott Frost kind of said that Turner Corcoran could, could fit in wherever and that maybe as some of these other competitions shake out, that'll speak to where he can be. But uh, there is. There's there's a lot of, uh, of unknowns there. The players yesterday didn't really want to talk too much about it. I think uh, they feel like maybe there could be an advantage to the unknown a little bit too in that regard, but I mean, you're right. Like you, you talk about what the quarterback play could be like the upgrade in, in depth, at least from running back and wide receiver. And ultimately a lot of that doesn't matter if there's not blocking up front. And if you can't keep the opposing teams, you know, uh, front seven out of your backfield. So we'll see how that goes. They, they remain, I think pretty quietly confident that Donovan Riola is the guy to get this thing back on track, but uh, sort of is the theme of this fall. It's a bottom line business and we're going to find out here real soon. Uh, we'll get you out here on this one. Nebraska's obviously got a lot of new additions to this team with a lot of the transfers uh, <clears throat> some of the staff, obviously about half, well, half the staff uh, turned over in the off season and Nebraska, while confident playing a team that they beat fifty-six to seven last year, uh, I, I would think that there's still quite a few kinks that they're going to need to work out in an opener as well. Um, what is your sense of where this thing stands twenty-eight days away, knowing how many new parts have to kind of work together in this machine for it to run smooth enough to get a win in Ireland? Yeah, I mean, that's the big question. And I've sort of asked some of the, the players and coaches that sort of that sort of line of thinking the last couple of days. And, you know, you get the, the sort of responses like it's, it's always going to be ongoing and you never really arrive. Um, the, the transfer aspect to me is especially interesting because this is not something that we've seen in college football really until last year in, in terms of double digit transfers and, and things of that nature. So it's the challenge is not what it would be necessarily with like a bunch of true freshmen that came in trying to teach them technique and things like that. A lot of these guys are ready-made in that regard. It's about, you know, one terminology. So like they have the techniques, they they have maybe the strength training down, but just getting on the same page with, with their language and, and their calls and things like that. And then hopefully what they've done in the summer is they've started to build up some, 
some personal camaraderie where they've been able to hang out. They start to feel comfortable with each other. They feel more like a team. You know, a couple guys said yesterday, you know, these transfers in a lot of cases have been with the team for maybe a month or two, but already it feels like they've known each other their whole lives. So that's the kind of thing you want to hear uh, when you're getting ready to, to do battle, especially with a conference opponent in another country in a must win season right off the bat. Like you don't have the luxury of sort of easing into this thing with a couple non-conference games, uh, which is why I think Nebraska showed a lot of urgency um, in, in getting this camp going. I mean, they, they went way early on Tuesday in Indianapolis so they could fly back that afternoon, report to camp and, and get this thing rolling. So I do think there's a sense that like every, every hour matters as these, players as this coaching staff like you mentioned with five new offensive assistants continues to come together continues to figure things out i think that they would tell you that they're in a pretty good place but that this next you know three four weeks is still going to be critical in terms of getting everyone on the same page for when these things start to matter it's good stuff evan bland uh, omaha world herald uh, joins us here every so often on the kli and husker hour evan thanks a lot for the thoughts and the time and uh, we'll catch up with you down the road as we get the season started here in a couple a few weeks Thanks, Cole. All right, there he goes, Evan Bland. And uh, uh, he mentioned Caleb Tanner uh, talking to the media. Uh, my favorite stat about Caleb Tanner is that he has played in every single game for four seasons in a row uh, and will be here for uh, year five thanks to COVID. Uh, it's just a, just, a, just a pretty fun little stat uh, about a guy who's uh, been here for a while and uh, is one of, the, one of the guys that utilized that COVID season to stick around again. Um, All right, we're going to come back and get into that offensive line position preview. Uh, It is the last one of the summer, and we're going to do that right after this here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Hi, I'm Dr. Miller, a dentist and a volunteer for Dental Lifeline Network. I learned about DLN shortly after graduating dental school. I wanted to help people who are not able to access the oral health care they need. As a new dentist, I wondered, do I have the skills to provide the care they need? And do I have the time when trying to build a new practice? Even now, after 10 years, I can tell other dentists, yes, you can, and this is a no-brainer. Dental Lifeline Network is a nonprofit that has helped me literally change the lives of people in my community through the Donated Dental Services Program. DLN asks dentists to volunteer to see just one of the many patients in need each year. If you're a dentist or know a dentist, please share this important information. It's easy. DLN screens those in need and coordinates the initial appointment. Patients are treated right in your office on your schedule. If you're like me, and want to make a real difference in someone's life, DLN makes it possible. Go to willyouseeone.org to learn more. That's willyouseeone.org. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. 
Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Big thanks to Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald. He just joined us in our last segment. If you missed him or anything else on the show, you can head over to the podcast page at KLIN.com or the Facebook Live at KLIN Huskers. Kenny Larrabee's in here getting that going right now. You can see just me because Caleb's gone. So this is the best this show's ever going to look, right, Caleb? All right, we got the offensive line preview to get to. It is the last one of the summer, and that means we're really close to football, which is good. The offensive line last year was not as good, and that was the problem for Nebraska. And I think that's where this discussion starts. Cam Jurgens, yes, good, very talented, played to the end of the whistle, the echo of the whistle a couple times, maybe not to the uh, liking of the officials at certain times, uh, but he's gone. And he was the best lineman they had on a line that really did struggle. And so looking at the line this season, I think that's where you got to start. Um, it, it's it's going to be tough to be better when you lose your best lineman, but that's the task ahead, and you're going to have to do it as well with a group led by a different guy as well. Obviously, you turned over four of those five offensive assistant spots, and, and one of those is Donovan Riola. So maybe a little bit different approach can unlock some things in, in some of these guys. There is experience. Which, if you're, if you're looking back at last week, for instance, at the defensive line position, <laughs> and I don't mean the outside linebackers or the edge players like Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tanner, O'Shawn Mathis, those guys are, I put those in the different category. I'm talking about just the interior guys in this defensive scheme. They replaced Ben Stilley, DeAndre Thomas, Damian Daniels. A lot of experience, Casey Rogers, Jordan Riley, both to Oregon. A lot of experience left on defensive line. There is nothing in terms of Nebraska playing and starting and, and production experience other than Ty Robinson. You got Stephon Wynn from Alabama. You get Devin Drew from Texas Tech. They have experience, a little bit, ex- Devin Drew more experience than Wynn, but that's it. Offensive line is a little bit different there, although not all necessarily in the same positions that they're used to playing and not in the same grouping, like the same five guys that they're used to playing with. Let's, let's, let's start to run these guys down, right? So Teddy Prohaska, uh, I think, is every, a guy that everybody's excited about, and hopefully he's healthy enough to play. He's only got a few starts under his belt. I think he played in five games and started three, if I'm not mistaken. And so... He's probably your left tackle if he's healthy enough to go. If he's not healthy enough to go, that's a discussion we'll get into here too. But Prohaska's got starting experience at probably the most important position on the offensive line. The other tackle spot, Bryce Benhart. Benhart also has starting experience. He started every game as a redshirt freshman in 2020, in the COVID year. And he started most of the games last year as well at right tackle. Probably going to stay there, as Evan just said, and may just be your default right tackle. He struggled last year. There's no, there's no way to slice it. So that is something he's going to have to figure out if he's the guy at right tackle. Turner Corcoran is another guy that they're looking at 
potentially to move inside. He's one of the best, uh, highly rated, most highly rated recruits of of recent vintage for Nebraska. And he played with injury last year. Started nine games at left tackle and then the last two games at right tackle. Uh, Got the one start in the last game in 2020 as well against Rutgers, and that was kind of where Corcoran's uh, spot took off. So Prohaska and Ben Hart and Corcoran all have starting experience at tackle. Corcoran likely to move inside, though. He could play left tackle if Teddy Prohaska is, is not available to go right off the bat. Now, the other guys that have starting experience on the offensive line uh, both entered the program as walk-ons. Ethan Piper. Well, I guess Ethan Piper, He might. I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank whether he had a, a scholarship offer right off the bat or not. At any rate, Ethan Piper does have starting experience. He started seven of the eight games in 2020. He only played in five games last year. So he, he kind of got kind of got pushed out of a starting spot. But Sichterman is is gone now. Matt Sichterman was the guy that kind of took that job from Ethan Piper. Ethan Piper could step back into a starting role at one of those guard positions. So he he does have the starting experience. Uh it's it's possible that he can step in uh and be one of those five guys. The fifth is as as Evan mentioned the guy that that may be in line to start at center his sixth year in the program, and that's Trent Hickson. So Hickson started every game at left guard in 2019. 2020, he only played in three games. And then 2021, he only played in five games. So again, just like Piper, Trent Hickson had a starting job, lost a starting job. But he does have that experience. So, again, if you want to go across the line, you have five guys who have starting experience at Nebraska. Teddy Prohaska, Bryce Benhart, Turner Corcoran, Ethan Piper, Trent Hickson. You also have Hunter Anthony transferring from Oklahoma State, who's got starting experience at the Power 5 level, just a handful of games, but still counts. And then you also have Kevin Williams, who transferred over from Northern Colorado, an Omaha North guy. And he's got a handful of starts from his time at Northern Colorado as well. Dealt with some injuries there. Uh, Those two guys do have starting experience, though not at Nebraska. You also got Brock Bando, who who certainly could be in the mix for some playing time this year. Another sixth-year guy like Trent Hickson. And Bando is a candidate to, to also play at tackle uh, if, if Teddy Prohaska is not able to go right off the bat. Brant Banks, uh, another guy who's got some playing experience at Nebraska, uh, he, he could be able to step in too. Alex Kahn, Michael Lynn, uh, those are a couple guys on scholarship who have not really had an impact yet, but they're in the mix. Justin Evans-Jenkins is the one incoming freshman in this class. The the big story, of course, from the the off season, uh, maybe I should have led with this part of it in terms of the breakdown is uh, Nori Nuilli's uh, suspension for this season for a banned substance. 
pretty unfortunate. Uh, he, he was almost certainly going to have one of those starting guard positions. I uh, mentioned earlier, uh, you know, Trent Hickson lost his job. Uh, Nori Nuwili is the reason why, right? He was the guy at left guard last year. That's where Hickson started every game in 2019. Nuwili ain't, ain't available this year. Still in the program, still able to, you know, be, be a part of the team, but just he can't play. So that's a big piece missing from this offensive line when you already lost Cam Jurgens to the NFL. Matt Sickerman was your right guard and Nori Willie was your left guard in 2021. Now all three of the guys from the interior uh, who played in those spots are gone uh, for 2022 at least. Yeah, you know, obviously Nori could play next year potentially. So you're going to move some pieces around, and maybe Raiola likes Corcoran better inside anyway. Maybe he does play him at left tackle if Prohaska's not able to go. But I think if you're looking at your best five, I think you got to start with experience unless you just get blown away by a guy like oh, Henry Lutovsky is a guy I haven't mentioned. Henry Lutovsky is a guy that came in in, in Teddy Prohaska's class. And they do really like him, at least the old staff did, and, and he could be a potentially uh, a starter or a contributor at guard as well. So that's the picture at offensive line. And in, a, in an offense that already features four of five new coaches, certainly a new starter at quarterback, potentially a new starter and, and major contributors at running back, with the additions of Anthony Grant from junior college, and then A.J. Allen and Emmett Johnson out of the high school ranks. Still have Gabe Irvin, Ramir Johnson, Jacquez Yant. A whole bunch of new guys at wide receiver. And losing the tight end of the year in the Big Ten in Austin Allen at tight end, which is the one position where you have coaching stability, and for the most part, roster stability as well. You return Vokalek, Brewington, Hickman, Carney, Rollins, uh, and Thomas Fedoni hopefully can be healthy enough to play as well. All of those other aspects to this offense, and I, I don't, I don't know how much of it can 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 click if you don't have the offensive line in place that can hold their own. And I don't know where on the spectrum of of below average to average to above average to excellent, like where on the spectrum the 2021 offensive line fell. And I don't know that losing your best offensive lineman from that line can lead to that level of play being uh, improved upon for 2022. But that's the ask, right? That's That's where you have to be if you want to take the next step as a program. Maybe you have a little bit of addition by subtraction when so some this was this was a phenomenon back when Taylor Martinez played. It, it was the offense kind of had to rely upon him to to be the guy to save the the day because stuff would break down and and he could just I mean Taylor Martinez could just do stuff right. He could figure it out. He was really fast and and there was a little bit of ball watching. When, when that happened, the offense kind of could relax a little bit. So not necessarily relax, but you know what I mean? They, they know that he was capable of making that play. You leaned on him a little bit too much, maybe. And maybe the offensive line is the same in terms of what Cam Jurgens was for them last season. Now this season, 
you need to have the whole uh, better than the sum of its parts. And however they end up putting that thing together, it, it needs to be at least as good as it was in 2021, if not better, in my opinion, for this offense to be able to take that next step. When, when we talk about what the 2022 Nebraska team is going to look like, I think the defense, it's going to be hard to maintain the same level that they had last season, losing the guys that they lost. Almost the entire secondary, including the nickel spot and JoJo Doman. Almost all of your experience at defensive line as well. I mean, really all they have back is Ty Robinson on the D-line, Quentin Newsom in the secondary. Um, and then, well, you get, you get all your linebackers, which is fortunate. You, got, you feel really good about your two inside guys. And you feel pretty good about the edge as well, especially with the addition of O'Shawn Mathis. Special teams, you, you hope that that takes a step forward because it doesn't have much of any other direction to go. Offense is, is the biggest question mark for me because almost all of it is new. And even the one position of stability at tight end, you lost the tight end of the year in the Big Ten in Austin Allen. So where where that leaves Nebraska, Caleb and I will do our position or our position previews, our, our our season predictions in a couple of weeks, and you you'll see where we step, where we kind of come out on it, and and in terms of the opener as well, it's it's going to be tough to put all of that together on an international trip against an opponent that you destroy the year before, but usually doesn't have back-to-back down years under Pat Fitzgerald. There's just so much uncertainty. I don't know how anybody can feel confident, but you kind of have to... It, it's time to go, right? So that, that that's where they are on the offensive line, and, and that's where it kind of fits with the rest of with the rest of the roster as a whole. And that's it for position previews. We made it. Uh, still to come, though, we've got watch list season. Quite a few transfers on those lists, by the way. Uh, it's it's not a lot of returning talent for Nebraska that made these watch lists so far. Uh, we'll go around the Big Ten a little bit. And, and also, when are we going to find out about the big Big Ten media rights deal? How much money is Nebraska going to be getting? Uh, we may know that pretty quick. I'll tell you the update on that. When we come back here on the KLI and Husker Hour. I had an important job. And it wasn't just a job. It was keeping my brothers and sisters safe. And coming back, it felt like kind of thrown away. It's like you're useless. You know, um, we don't really have a need for you now because... You can't really do anything for us. That's the way I felt. If it hadn't been for Wounded Warrior Project, I honestly don't know if I would be here. It was the camaraderie that I saw and had. It was like, I got my family back again. We all felt the connection, you know, like that brother and sisterhood. See how Wounded Warrior Project empowers women veterans like Donna by visiting woundedwarriorproject.org slash empowerwomenvets. 
talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. If you missed it earlier this week with Big Ten Media Days, Nebraska in the only... The only uh, quote-unquote official preseason poll of the media, the Big Ten Conference doesn't do it on their own, so Cleveland.com takes it upon themselves to do it every single year, and the West Division tallies have Nebraska picked essentially to finish fifth in the division. You've got Wisconsin with 31 out of 36 first-place votes. Iowa second with three first-place votes, and Minnesota third with two first-place votes. Uh, Purdue finished fourth, picked to finish fourth. Nebraska fifth, Illinois sixth, and Northwestern seventh. Illinois and Northwestern within just a couple points. Basically, flip a coin. That's kind of where they're thought of preseason. Now, Nebraska lost to Illinois to open 2021 in a Week 0 game. A team from Illinois. Let's hope history doesn't repeat itself for uh, for all involved. The East, uh, Ohio State picked as a runaway favorite. Then Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, Maryland, Rutgers, and Indiana. Um, the West, though, it, it's, it's kind of funny. Some notes on that. Iowa actually got first place votes and a seventh place vote. Minnesota picked anywhere from second through fifth. Purdue, Nebraska, and Illinois all picked as high as second and as low as last. And Northwestern actually got as high as a third-place vote, and they were picked to finish last. So the West could be a mess, basically. Uh, that That's that's where the Cleveland.com poll came out at. And looking why the wide-angle lens now at the Big Ten the the big discussion this offseason has been realignment and how will that all shake out for the Big Ten in terms of its media rights deal. You add UCLA and USC, Notre Dame, potentially the next big domino to fall, but probably not this offseason. They're still trying to negotiate their own deal as an independent, and they're targeting a, a payout similar to what membership in the Big Ten or SEC would bring. The former president of Big Ten Network, who's now the president of Fox, Mark Silverman, he said earlier this week that he expects the Big Ten media rights deal for starting the 2023-24 season and beyond. Uh, He expects that deal and those details to potentially be finalized before Labor Day. So by the second weekend of Nebraska's season, the first full weekend of college football, we may know what Nebraska is looking at getting in their paycheck from the Big Ten Network and their other media rights agreements uh, for the next few years as soon as uh, basically right after the start of of Nebraska's season. So that's something to keep an eye on uh, as we uh, move forward here. And then uh, one more thing to get to yet before we say goodbye this morning, that is the uh, few watch lists that came out. We're going to run down those and uh, get you primed for the week ahead. It's going to be busy. And uh, we're getting closer and closer to kickoff, just 28 days away. Wrap up the show next here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Your home and away voice for the Huskers. This is 1499.3 KLIN. 
to be aware of what's going on, period. I mean, we need to keep keep informed. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Thanks, as always, to Kenny Larrabee getting the Facebook Live going at KLIN Huskers. And thanks to Evan Bland as well for joining us earlier on. Caleb's back next week. And we'll just have a handful of shows until the opener. Of course, we will not be on the day of the Northwestern game. We're going to be preempted by the network coverage. So we've just got a handful of shows left. We will preview, Caleb and I, our, our season predictions uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, and and of course we'll we'll continue to run down all the news and notes from the weeks as they come. Nebraska not practicing today. They've got three practices in the rearview mirror now for fall camp. Started up Wednesday, and they're back at it tomorrow morning. And there'll be a little bit more of media availability. We'll see more players. We'll hear from more coaches uh, as we go. Some interesting notes uh, yesterday. Travis Fisher mentioned how Quentin Newsom. Uh, actually left his spot in the meeting room, like his seat in a meeting room, and actually went and sat by one of the freshmen, uh, kind of embracing that leadership role. Um, Caleb Tanner, as, as Evan Bland mentioned earlier, talked to the media for the first time, like the the full you know media behind the podium, that type of deal. Uh, Caleb Tanner, a guy who's played in every game for four seasons, uh, now as a a fifth year senior, uh, he's he's a guy at Nebraska's pretty excited about and, and seems like they're going to count on him quite a bit could see the field uh, with with both Garrett Nelson and O'Shawn Mathis that's I think Nebraska's ideal uh, roster makeup in terms of, of which guys are on the field if you want to get your best 11 quote-unquote on the field at once I think you got to find ways to get Caleb Tanner Garrett Nelson and O'Shawn Mathis all on the field together uh, quite a few times in a game if if this defense is going to be successful, and I think they'll find ways to do that, certainly. Uh, watch lists, uh, the, those those are starting to come out here as the offseason comes to a close. And so far, we, we saw this week the Buttkiss Award, the best linebacker in the country. Luke Reimer is on that list. Over 100 tackles. Nick Henrich is not on that list. He had 99. Say what you will about that. The Nagurski Trophy. For defensive players, O'Shawn Mathis is on that watch list. Transfer from TCU. The Ray Guy Award, the best punter in the country. That is uh, Brian Buscini on that list. He's been the FCS punter of the year. And another transfer, who, by the way, just got an NIL deal this week uh, announced with a, uh, a dentist's office. He's uh, they're, they're helping to kick away... The the cavities, I guess. I don't know. That that may be the tagline. Not not the best NIL deal this week, though. Uh, that one's got to be DeColdis Crawford with the heating and air conditioning company. Uh, I I forget which company, but uh, probably don't need to mention it anyway. So those are those are some NIL deals. And then the last watch list uh, is is Trey Palmer. He's on the Hornig Award watch list, which goes to kind of the best all around player, including returning, which is definitely part of his game. So four four guys on Nebraska's roster announced those watch lists. Three of them are incoming transfers who have never played a down for Nebraska. 
again, very indicative of, of what this season is going to be, right? A lot of new pieces, a lot of new parts, and how they fit together is going to determine how successful this 2022 team is going to be. All right, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. That's going to do it. I'm Cole Stukenholz. Kale's back next week. Until then, go Big Red.